Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Sure appreciate Gina. Amazing, gifted uh, minister and uh, teacher in our school district. Such a blessing to have her on this team. Uh, I felt like while we were having worship there that the Lord uh, wanted me to do something before we kick off into our our final uh, message in our radical series. Uh, Next week we're going to start a series in the book of Haggai, uh, which I'm excited about just to say the word Haggai and uh, the fact that I've never done a series on Haggai. And I was reading it like, this is for today. It's so cool reading the Old Testament prophecy books and going, that's today, that's today, that's today. Oh, I hope that ain't tomorrow. Uh, but uh, what I love about Haggai is uh, so often the, the, new t- the Old Testament prophecy books are a, a lay of the kind of the land, the culture we're going through. Haggai is for the people, the choices. And so we're calling it Choices Matter uh, because God says, you choose this and I will bless like this. And and so it's going to be a great time. Uh, but before we wrap up Radical today, I felt like the Lord said, I want to minister to some hearts and lives. Uh, and I really felt like uh, this was, it's, it's not a usual thing that most preachers do where they give a salvation call before they say anything. Um, usually it comes at the end of a message or something. Uh, but I really felt like the Lord said, there, there's some people uh, that, uh, that are just broken today. Whether it's you don't know him at all, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and so he's going to eternally heal you. Or, or maybe you need to recommit because just broken things have happened or people have done things and it's broken you or you just found yourself just kind of isolated and broken. And the Lord said, I want him to return to me. Stennis said, come. He talked about Jesus saying, come to me. And, and I believe God's saying, come. Come to me today. And, then, and maybe it's just something you're just carrying a thousand things and, and it's weighing you down and breaking you down. And God says, I'll carry all 1,000 of those for you. And so it's, it's, a, it's salvation from this need to bear everything. And God says, number one, you can't. And number two, you're not supposed to. And number three, I like doing it as your dad. And so uh, you, you may be listening on K-Bay. You may be watching us uh, live. And we'd love to have you worship with us if, if you can make it here on a, on a Sunday. Um, so it may be... Uh, for those who are, are viewing or listening outside of this room, but, it, but I really believe it, it, it is for some here. And so I just want you to know that Jesus wants to save you, and he wants to set you free, and he wants to remove your burdens. We're going re- to see a little bit later, he says, if you're weary, come. I'll do this for you. He guarantees what he'll do for us. He will save you if you call out to him. Romans 10 says, all who call out to the Lord to be saved will be saved. And it doesn't say you got to do this and that and the other. It does say you got to cry. Cry out. That's the one thing you do. You say yes. Yes. You believe it in your heart. You speak it with your mouth and you will be saved eternally. Discipleship, he transforms you over time, but you are set free and your, your eternity is set in heaven. Your citizenship is there and uh, you become a foreigner here. And, and for those who don't know Jesus, today is the day of your salvation. And so when we pray in a minute, you just, you just say, Lord, I say yes. And maybe you do need to be like the prodigal we sang about and come home. Prodigals come home. Prodigals can come home. Prodigals can always come home. There's always a place for them there. I've been one. I've been one more than once in my life. 
And he always welcomes me home and he never says, hey, we're going to talk about all this laundry list. He says, my son's home. Let me hug you. Let me give you a ring that says who you belong to. Let me put a robe of righteousness on you. Let me change those nasty, nappy shoes and let me throw a party for you because you're back. That's what he says. So prodigals come home. Whether you did it to yourself and you're like feeling ashamed of that or something happened and you found yourself on some highway or byway of life and it's just off the beaten path. You're just out there and you're like, I want to get back. He says, come back. And for those that are just carrying the stuff, I just, I just really got this picture of God saying, just set it down and stand up. Let me pick it up and you just let me pick you up too. So we're going to pray. And if you need to, to find Jesus today, today's the day to find Jesus. It's eternal. The only eternal decision we'll ever make is whether we say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. And that'll set, of course, heaven for you or a Christless eternity will remain. And I don't say that to bring fear in anybody's life, but truth is truth. We, we, we live eternally with Jesus or we spend eternity without him at the end of our breath. That happens. And so it's a big decision, obviously. And it, it's, it's set before you. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. So let's pray. and Man, whatever you need to lay down, if you need to come back, or if you need to just find Jesus, this is your day. Lord, I, I thank you for, for your love for every son and daughter in here, everyone you've created. You thought of every single person in this room and uniquely crafted them prior to putting us in our mother's wombs. You, you knew us and you formed us and then you stuck us in there and, and then you allowed us to be born and, and, and you love us and your, your desire, Jesus, is to seek us and save us, to restore us to that relationship to you. So for anyone in here or anyone listening who's never made a decision to follow you, Jesus, I pray that they would understand fully what you are offering today, eternal life, that you are saying, take my perfect life that I've lived and let me, let me give it to you. All my righteousness becomes yours. That, that you pour all your righteousness into us and then, and then in, in a trade, you take all the mess of our lives and you say, let me have that. I've dealt with it, so let me now cast it away. That they would see this unfair trade that you're willing to make for our sakes and they would say Jesus I want to I want to believe in you Jesus I want to follow you I want you to be my 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 savior I want you to be my king my lord save me now forever and then help me to follow you faithfully every day of my life and I pray that that there would be decisions all across this room and those listening that are that are made right now that are eternal. And for every prodigal, every broken person, everyone who says, I need to recommit, rededicate, that they would, they would know that you are excited and willing to say, come back, come back. It, it's, it's joyful for me to welcome you home. I am not upset at you. I am not upset at you. No shame on you. No shame on you, son. No shame on you, my daughter. And no fear, I'm not going to come at you. I'm going to come for you. And for all those that are carrying burdens, 
whether it's one giant one that they shouldn't carry or a thousand that are just beating them down and breaking down uh, their soul, I, I pray they just let it go. That they just let it go right now at the foot of the cross to, to a God who cares, to a father that, that, that wants to see sons and daughters set free, to a best friend and savior in Jesus who said, I'm the one that's supposed to bear those for you. And to a, a Holy Spirit who dwells in them that, that says, I'll lead you out of this. You, we're going to walk away from this and, and it is not yours to bear anymore. They just let it go. And just breathe in peace. Breathe in peace. In your name we pray. Amen. I encourage you, if you, if you pray to prayer there, to get one of those cards and fill out your prayer request. Um, and stick it in the basket on the way back so we can pray for you and, or come up at the end of the service and have the, the team pray with you um, and, and just join their faith with yours. Um, uh, I might be, for those uh, back there or over there, whoever's running my show, I may skip some stuff. So there we go. Uh, that's, on, that's on you, but I mean on me, but uh, no worries. Uh, but I, <laughs> not on you. Sorry, my bad. Um, but I want to tell a, a story that came to my mind this week. I, I, I always refer to my time with this guy as Taco Bell Lessons. Um, those of you, you, some of you may still be Taco Bell people. You probably either have a metabolism that can handle that or, or you have a wallet that, like those of us that used to, can only handle that. Uh, when I was a missionary, I had this metabolism and I was always in the water and playing basketball and then I had about two dimes to rub together. So Taco Bell was fantastic to me. The problem was it was in the next town over and I didn't have a car. Um, and, and so we were a mission organization, and in, 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 don't, don't feel bad for me, I lived in Maui, so okay. Uh, there was a beach, my backyard was a beach, so okay, I didn't have it bad, but I didn't have Taco Bell nearby. But I remember this one guy named Ron Carlson would come, and he would come like two or three times a year to teach, and he was a global worldview, biblical worldview, uh, apologetics type guy, uh, and he came, and I loved Ron. He was just this brilliant, outgoing, vibrant man. He's with Jesus now, but... Uh, whenever he would come, I would always volunteer to be his taxi driver for two reasons. I loved to get all of my time with Ron, and he loved Taco Bell. Uh, and so I learned more from and he never wanted to eat during the day, uh, except for a little time. But after he would teach at night, we'd do a Taco Bell run. So it was like a 10, 10.30 Taco Bell run, which is so healthy for you. Um, <laughs> but I loved it because I just had Ron all to myself. And, and so I just learned so much over the years in my Taco Bell lessons with Ron one of the things that, that always stood out was this man's radically bold faith and desire to just do Jesus and be Jesus everywhere he went. And I remember one time he was talking to this person and he went from this one person to this one person to this one person. I'm like, Ron, what are you doing? Um, you know, what, what, like, why did you go to them? And he said, oh, it's part of my, uh, part of the thing I asked Jesus to do for me uh, every day. And I'm like, I, Jesus will lead you to Taco Bell. This is my calling, you know. And I don't do Taco Bell anymore, by the way. I don't have the uh, the sustenance for it in my in my body to make it through. Um, but he would he would have this radical ask of Jesus, and he would always say this: "In my given day, God, give me one lost person to share Jesus' salvation story with. Give me." Give me one broken person to be the compassion of Christ to and give me one saved person that I can encourage or prophesy to. 
And, and he said, that's my desire. Every day of my life, wherever I am on the planet, I want one of those three to come along. Uh, and, you know, you hang out at Taco Bell, you can usually find two of the three easily. Um, but I remember this one day, he, we went, and, and, and man, it was just like he led the person to the Lord. He's praying for this person. He's like weeping. And, and then this one person's encouraged. It's all happened at Taco Bell. And it's probably a good two years later, uh, we're there, and we're getting back in the car. It's probably 1130 at night. Uh, and he goes, oh! It's almost midnight, and he runs back in, and I don't know what he's doing, and he comes back, and I'm like, what were you doing? And he said, I, I didn't run into anybody today, so I just, I just went in there and found the people. Uh, and, and I was like, you just like made it up? And he goes, Scott, sometimes it's going to be gloriously, divinely appointed and created, and you're going to walk into this moment that God's like been, been just crafting and, and, and it's going to be an amazing time. And he goes, sometimes it's, man, that's a, that, that certainly looks like a lost couple over there. I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. And that person's crying. I'll go share with her compassion of Christ. And, and that person you know, is holding the Bible. I'm assuming he's a believer. So I'm going to go talk to him and encourage him. He said, sometimes it's like, aha. And sometimes it's just normal life. But they're both radically bold because it's following Jesus. And it's living out the great commandment and the great commission. And I learned that day because I was a missionary, so in my mind, I was living radically bold all the time. But I learned something very, very uh, interesting that day that, that no matter what, whether I'm in China sharing the gospel to, you know, some Red Guard uh, army guys, or I'm in my neighborhood just encouraging, you know, the next door neighbor, it's about Jesus, and it's living a radically bold life, being led by the Holy Spirit. If you're led by the Holy Spirit of the living God who dwells in you, everything's radically bold. That's just the bottom line. It's normal, radical boldness. It doesn't have to change the planet in a given moment to be radically bold. And I think sometimes we get, I do this, sometimes we get off on this. So our goal today in and looking at what it means to live radically bold and having this faith like Jesus is that, that we determine and purpose in our hearts to make big choices even in the routines of daily life. That we're, we're confident in, in living a life that, of following Jesus and being transformed by him that, that, that we have this God who gives us everything for life and godliness like it says. And it may be you're leading the most lost, wicked person in the world that you've ever met to the Lord. And it may be that you're praying uh, for, for your neighbor's, you know, uh, I don't know, wounded, you know, knee or, or, or hurt shoulder or whatever. And, and or they just have, oh, I got a headache again today. And, and you're just praying for it. And, it, and it, this one may be like, oh, that's a, that's a movie over here. And this one may be like, oh, it's normal. But if they're both for Jesus, they're radically bold. Ron Carlson's boldness wasn't radical because it shocked the world every single day. It was radical because he sought Jesus and then he followed. That's, that's what I learned from that man. Bold freedom is what Jesus came to bring us and give us. And, and we're, number one, supposed to live in that. And then number two, we're supposed to give that away. I love the story in, in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Uh, Stennis talked about him telling Peter to come. Most of the time, 
Jesus told people to come follow me. There's a few times in scripture where he said, come to me. And I love this one in Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, and maybe this is for some of you today. It's also for all of us to declare this as believers to those around us because we're the image and the, and the voice and the heart of Jesus. But, but for some of you today, maybe this is you. Jesus says, are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Most versions don't say that, but if you take the Aramaic and translate it, it's oasis. I am your safe place in a dry desert. I'm your shade. I'm your fresh water. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. Isn't that cool? Jesus is not this maniac, you know, type A leader. He is, he is gentle, humble, and easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in Jesus. For all that I require of you, says Jesus, for all that I require of you will be, ple- will be pleasant and easy to bear. You see, he knew what he would give, what he'd provide for us, what he'd make certain of in us and, and for us. And that's freedom. That's what he's talking about here, Freedom. Jesus boldly declares right here that that he'll free you from bondage and pressure, performance, that will have rest and peace and and deep relationships. That's what I love about Cultivate on Sunday nights. It's about relationships first with God, that we get this relationship right and that we we learn who we are as his sons and, and daughters, that we know our identity in him. So we get this relationship right. It allows us then to have these relationships right because no man, no woman is an island and we're not called to live as lone rangers. We're brothers and sisters, bumps and all, in the journey, but we're brothers and sisters. So we get this right with God relationally and then we'll get this right with brothers and sisters around us. And then we'll go and we'll declare this. So we'll declare rest and peace and healthy relationships and and a joy to live out. We're not meant to live sourpuss lives. We're meant to have this joy in Christ. But, Jesus says, we do something. That's where some people go, oh, okay, here's where the, where the other shoe drops or where the, you know, where the hook is. Yeah, we do something to receive it. He says it right there. We come to him. We join him. We discover who he is and how he is. We drink it in and rest. Now, if somebody said, the greatest thing that you'll ever get in your life only comes this way, you're like, oh, man, they're going to talk blood, sweat, and tears, and money. Come, be a part of my team. Eat, drink, be refreshed, join with me, and chill. We're like, and? But he doesn't give an and. He says, that's what you do for this type of freedom. In your life, the world will beat us down if we try to live the way it says to live because there's always performance and earning and one upping and beating others down and being negative. And Jesus says, I don't require those things of you and I'm easy to please. When the creator and the designer of all things says to do it this way, we should listen. You know, it'd be like somebody coming over and 
you know, maybe they designed, you know, they were the, the top engineer at Dell Computers or something, and you're having a problem, like, turning yours on, and they're like, let me help you. You're like, no, no, I got this, dude. You know? The best mechanic in the world saying, oh, man, I hear something. No, no, I got this, man. I use a hammer, and I beat the sound out of it. It's dumb. Don't live dumb. Don't live dumb. Live at peace with Jesus. He saved me so that he could transform me. He didn't save me so that I could figure out a way to transform myself. Because that would be a waste of his blood. If he saved me so that I could fix me, he wasted his blood on that cross. He saved me so he could do the fixing. And I'm so grateful for his radical boldness. We read about in, in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 29, this, this great story where he unrolls the scroll and... And, and he reads from the, the prophet Isaiah, and, and he's radically bold. He's confident. He's like, hey, this is me, and I've just fulfilled it. Boom. You know? He says, I came to bring good news filled with hope. I came to bring freedom for the brokenhearted who are bound. I came to make the blind see. Set free all who suffer and struggle. Anybody suffer or struggle lately? He came to set you free. He says, I came to declare a life of joy and celebration of favor and blessing over those who would believe in me, those who would come to me and let me do this for them. Earn nothing, get everything simply by coming to me. One of the things I, I love so much about the, the story of James in the, in the New Testament is that so much of his transformation is unknown. James is the uh, half-brother of Jesus and the author of the book of James. Um, but he's also a part of this early-on family of Jesus that, that thought Jesus had some screws loose. We see this one moment, they kind of had this intervention for Jesus, and they come to him, and they're like, hey, now you need to be quiet, but you need to just come home. We're going to, you know, you're insane. And they declared him insane as a family, and you're embarrassing us. And so you need to come home, and Jesus, like, it tells us Jesus slips away from his own family. James was one of them there. It says his brothers and sister were there. So we see that, that James is right there with them, little bro, going, you're crazy. We also read that, that James is among the, the brothers that mock Jesus for this goofy ministry he's doing later on. So two different stories. One, they're having an intervention to try to stop Jesus. Another one, they're calling him goofy and a waste of time. Get back to carpentry, dude. And then Jesus. We've all had a then Jesus moment, right? Everyone saved had a then Jesus moment. I didn't go to him and mock him, but I lived a mocking lifestyle. I didn't call it goofy to his face, but I lived as if it was. And then Jesus. For James, we know that Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection. Can you imagine? He goes to James and it's like, Oh, dead brother walking, right? <laughs> like, that's going to get your attention. We don't know if that's exactly when James became a follower, but I think we can put one and one together and get two pretty easily there. We do know very quickly he became a leader in the church by the book of Acts. He's a leader, so very early on, so the, the assumption would be when Jesus appeared to this unbelieving, mocking, embarrassed brother after he had died on the cross and rose again, and he went to James, that James said, okay, I believe and I'll follow. And he became radical. 
I mean, James did a 180. He went from a mocker and embarrassed to probably the boldest writer in the New Testament. Paul was bold. Maybe they could go toe-to-toe, I don't know, on their boldness. James was, he's shortened to the point. Like he's like, Paul will give you a paragraph, I'll give you two words. And we'll say the same thing, but I'm going to do it in two words. Uh, He would have been great on that competition show that used to do it. I'll do it in two words. Um, But we get our big idea today from James, that the transformation should always move us from selfish or deceived or fearful or depressed into this 180 that we take where we're radically bold and living on purpose for Christ. I was this broke down person, whether it was fear in your life or for me it was, it was pride and anger. For some it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hopelessness. For others it's just like, I just, I'm an unbeliever, I can't believe. And when we say yes to Jesus, it should flip us over here and we should go, you know what? I'm at peace and I'm going to declare that I'm at peace for the first time in my life. I'm not angry anymore. Man, I'm, I'm not fearful anymore. I'm secure in Christ. My hope is found in Jesus alone. No more depression. We should be doing a 180 in our radical boldness. And it doesn't mean that we go out with a, with a, with a, you know, a megaphone or something and, and scream out at people and, and call them sinners or, or tell them where they're missing it or where they got to get it together. But our lives are radically bold. Where people will look at you and go, what has changed? And you're going... Let me tell you, his name is Jesus. James went from a critical, skeptical, mocking brother to this man who writes a a simple yet bold book in the New Testament called James. And he tells us in it exactly how to live bold for Jesus. He basically says, stay fixed on him. Keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Dennis talked about it today, and I don't think Dennis and I talked at all about my message this week. And he, he took away all my points, but, but I'm still talking. I get paid to talk. James chapter 1, verse 2. So like, boom, he gets into it. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, this is where he starts talking about focus on him. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Some of you need to hear that. You feel embarrassed or ashamed or like, I'm always asking for stuff. He's a good dad. Good dads love their kids to come to him and ask him for good things. You want wisdom to live a life of following Jesus? And you're like, I don't quite know what to do. Should I ask God? Yes, because he loves it. He won't rebuke you. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone, fixed on him. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. James is telling us to stay fixated on Jesus here or else we get divided. The world has us and we love God, but the world owns us. 
and we follow Jesus. The world dictates how we live over here, and then we come, we try to fix things over here on a, on a Sunday or a, on a Bible study, and he says, you can't, you can't. If you do that, the world ends up owning you, and you become unstable in everything you do, he says in verse 8. You see, we need that bold discipline like we read about Daniel in the Old Testament. I, th- I, think, I think sometimes we, we get lost in, in Daniel in the, in the big story or in the prophecies and we forget the life the man lived. I mean, in Daniel 6, we, we read the famous story of Daniel and the lion's den. Probably everybody in America over the age of 10 has probably heard of it in some way. Verses 10 through 13, we, we read about how he's such a good leader, such a good man. He's a really good guy. Like everybody would want Daniel to be their friend. He was just so good. And I think sometimes I, even with Daniel, because of the prophecies and the, and the boldness and the, and the radical stories and all that, I think he was just probably this, I always am like, yeah, he was just this driven guy, driven guy. But more than anything, he's in love with Jesus. He was in love with God. And that's what drove him. He was in love with his creator, his Jehovah, his father. So we see this really good man who was a great leader. And so you know what? The other leaders despised him. You stand out as a believer, a good person, loving God, then loving people and living out of this book and people will despise you. You're doing nothing wrong, but the world hates that. So just know that. The world hates good Jesus followers. So don't be afraid, but be aware. Don't don't answer them back the way they act, but be aware. You see, these leaders, we read here, that these other leaders that were kind of in the same role as Daniel, because there's a king and then they serve under, they, they hated the favor of God on Daniel They couldn't stop him. They couldn't find any way to fault him. They were trying to ruin him. So they decided to to use his radical, bold love of God against him. And and his response was a, back then, is a great lesson for us today, what, what he did. So they make this law. No one can pray to anybody but you, king. And the king's like, I'm awesome. Uh, and, And so he goes, yeah, do that. And, okay, and if anybody breaks the law, they get eaten by lions. And he's like, okay, they deserve to be, you know, because they're not praying to me. And he loved Daniel, but he's just not thinking. He's a pagan king. So they make this law, and we see after the law is set and, and the king signs it, we see what Daniel did. His response was this. When he heard about the law, verse 10 says, he went home, he knelt down, and he prayed with the windows wide open like he always did. He didn't, he didn't start something new to show it, you know, to, to rub it in their face. He had always done this, so he kept doing what he always did in following God. And it says he thanked God. He opened the windows and he thanked God. That was his response. And that's a good lesson for us today. Continue to follow God in the way we're called to follow God. His non-response is a great lesson for us today too. He didn't go after him. He didn't start arguing. He didn't come up with his own plan to take him down. He just said, you know what? My non-response to them, I'm not going to even address that. I'm going to respond to my God like I always do. He never stopped being a disciple. 
His bold discipline is a great lesson for us today because he never stopped being a disciple. Those godless, horrible leaders, they go and they see him praying, then they go and tattletale on him to the king. And their charge against Daniel was this. It says it in, the, in, in, in the chapter 6. King, he still prays to his God three times a day. That was their charge. And so he gets thrown into the lion's den. The king's upset about it, but he has to follow through with his decree. And, of course, we know that God shut the mouths of the lions, and, and they get him out the next day. And, and, and Daniel says, God came through for me. And the king and the nation saw this a man who just kept following God and trusted his life into God's hands. Daniel never even pointed a finger. Even when he came out, he said, he said, God saved me, and I still honor you, my king. And that would have been tough for numerous reasons, right? <laughs> I mean, I'd have been like, God saved me, and I'm going to honor you, but we got some talking to do. you know. Or I, I need to talk about these eight guys over here who did this. He didn't. He just let God handle that. And here's the deal. To live radically bold, you just do what God asks. That's it. To live radically bold, you do what God asks. We, we see it in Scripture what to do, and so everything he asks is going to line up with Scripture. We read the Old Testament, and it points to Jesus. We read the Gospel accounts of Jesus, and they tell us how he lived his life. And then we have the New Testament that points forward to the church. It's all about Jesus, and it's found in there. And then we have the Spirit of the living God in us to show us exactly what to do all the time. I'm going to ask my father-in-law to come up here and share. He's one of our supportive missionaries. Uh, and, and I've asked him just to share his radically bold story of what it looked like to hear from God as just living in Alaska and working and then being called into the mission field. He's, he's our missionary to Cambodia. Uh, he's my father-in-law. And, and more importantly, he's Pawpaw. So uh, uh, I'm going to ask Alger Morris to come on up here uh, and we can welcome him on stage as he shares uh, his story. And if you pick up one of these from last week, he's right in the middle there, so right by the staples. So, Alger, why don't you share your story with us? Hill Country Fellowship friends, how you doing? Well, thank you for the missions conference last week. It was great. We are all very encouraged, praise God, because God is doing radical things everywhere on the planet Earth. Amen. So along the lines that Scott's been sharing, I can tell you quite a few stories, but I won't do that. I'll just tell you one. But I got saved when I was nine, powerfully, and I've been just kind of following, just trying to follow God's word the best I can all that time, and sometimes it, it, I didn't do it very well. I kind of stumbled along, and sometimes I took a couple of prodigal detours, like you were talking about earlier. But I'll tell you one story. We were, I was leading a team in Cambodia in 2010, in January of 2010, and we had been there about a month, and uh, you know, we had obeyed God to go to missions and be part of YWAM and take teams around the world, so I'd been doing that, and I knew there was something coming, something else, and uh, so one day, <clears throat> all my... Uh, all my team was sick. I think one other guy was not sick, but they were all had eaten something somewhere. And I was out by myself riding a tuk-tuk down the road after I had witnessed some young Cambodians in a village teach 200 children about Jesus. And I had just been there to help them teach English. That's all I did that day. So I watched them do uh, parties and games and distribute food after, and I thought, 
on the way home in this tuk-tuk ride by myself, I was thinking about, wow, these young Cambodians, they're just, they're just on fire. They're just, you know, called by God to, to do it, but they're just doing it without anybody seeing, without anybody really helping, without anybody really supporting them. And I thought, I was sitting there thinking about that, just kind of looking at the jungle go by as I rode in this open air uh, transportation that you have in Cambodia. And then the Lord spoke. I wasn't expecting it. Sometimes the most profound things in your life come when you weren't really asking anything, but you were just thinking or meditating or praying. And he said this. He, he said, yes. And he, in other words, he was agreeing with what I was thinking or praying or whatever I was doing. And he said, you can never be their leader. Which I wasn't thinking about that, but that was important. But... You can help them to become the Christian, true disciples to lead their own nation to Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, <laughs> wow, I knew that was God. And I, I, read, I rode home and I was thinking about, I was waiting, and how do I do that? <laughs> how, do, how do Joyce and I do that? She wasn't in Cambodia with me. Uh, I kind of held that in my heart, and after the next month, I went home, and I told her about this, and she goes, wow, that's amazing. How are we going to do that? I said, I don't know. I'm not sure. Make a long story short, we worked in, 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 continued to work in YWAM doing schools, and the next year, she and I went back to Cambodia by ourselves. And one day, while we were meeting with a group of pastors in a, in a town pretty far out, sitting around talking about what was needed in Cambodia, we found our answer. We found our answer. And I said, man, how do we do that? And the Lord just, he just opened the doors. And we started developing lessons about discipleship and lessons about character development. And it's been great. We've developed partners and taught many, many, many seminars and preaching and all over Cambodia. What I want to say is this, the word of the Lord does not return void, but it accomplishes the task to which it is sent, okay? And all you have to do is step into the word because it's, it's not you, it's not me, it's the Lord doing the work all the time. And all we got to do is just step into it. You know, some people will say to me, well, I have never, I haven't heard the Lord say anything to me, or I haven't, you know, I can't do that kind of thing. You know, I don't think the Lord talks to some of his children and not others, right? Do any of you as parents do that? No. He talks to us all. The problem is sometimes we're just not paying attention. Pay attention. And when God speaks to you, you can go on the strength of what he says. That's radical boldness and radical moving. You can continue in that vein until he says, says something different to you. Because his word doesn't diminish he will always accomplish and supply that which he desires. So let's just hear God and then just move out and do it. And uh, even if we're weak, he will accomplish his intended purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. So again, we have a few of these out there. You can grab it. And uh, any, any offerings that come in through the... Uh the mission drop-down button or that you note uh, through tomorrow will go straight to all these missionaries who were here this past weekend. 
uh, as, the, as the band comes out here in a moment, we're going to transition into a time of going into communion. And I'm going to pray uh, two things for us. James 2.17 tells us that faith without action is fake. Whatever version you read, some say phony, some dead. Uh, there's no pretty thing for the end of it. Faith without walking it out is not real faith. Faith with action is alive and trans- transformational. And so my prayer is for us that we, we hear from God, what, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to stop doing? What are you calling me to step into? Who do I need to go to? And that we just radically, boldly walk in that. Hear from God and then walk in his ways. And that's living out radical boldness. That's living out a radical faith. That's, that's saying James 2.17 doesn't apply to me because I have action to my faith and it's alive. And then we're also going to have a time during this song um, as we... Uh, after I pray, the usher is going to hand out the, uh, the uh, uh, communion elements during this next song. And during that song, man, just search your heart and see if, if God needs to, to deal with anything in your heart. Prepare your heart before the Lord, uh, we're told in the New Testament, before we take communion. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and I'm going to pray. And then um, we'll get the communion elements, and then Pastor Josh is going to lead us in communion. Lord, I... I thank you for your commitment to us. I thank you that you'll speak to us when we ask. I thank you that, that you tell us what to do already, love you and then love people, and to go, to teach, to disciple, to baptize, to, uh, to grow as a disciple, but also uh, grow disciples. I pray that for each one of us in here, we would hear from you what you're asking us to step into, what you're asking us to continue to do that's, that's bold like Daniel in the face of a world that despises us, that, that Lord, maybe we need to start doing the things like Daniel or that, that James did or, or that Jesus talks about, that we would be ones who would boldly declare, come, come where I am and I'm going to pray for you that, that you're no longer weary and tired and broken because this is what my Jesus brings, that we would boldly declare the freedom and the life you bring. And Lord, during this song of worship, uh, if we need to make anything right in our heart uh, with you, help us to do that if we need to commit to, to reconciling any kind of relationship or, or walking out some kind of repentance with someone, we'd commit that to you, and then we'd step into it right away as we leave. Um, and so we just give you this time, speak to our hearts and our minds, and, uh, and help us to be fully ready in our, in our soul to remember you crucified and the grace you brought. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnit.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.